This edition of Eternal Leadership has been brought to you by Marketplace Rock, a business of intercessory prayer for businesses. Learn more at MarketplaceRock.com. Welcome to Eternal Leadership, a show dedicated to equipping and inspiring leaders to accomplish what God has created in them. I'm Steve Ryder, co-founder and co-host. Here's this week's interview by my partner, John Ramstead. Today on the Eternal Leadership Podcast, we have a great topic today. You know what it is? It's about growing leaders and in, in bringing people to their full potential you know, across the spectrum of where we might find each other. And uh, today we have Jeff McManus. Jeff, welcome to the podcast. John, thanks for having me. And um, uh, we were just talking, Jeff loves growing pretty much anything, huh, Jeff? You, you... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so here's your background. You are the Director of Landscape Services at the University of Mississippi. And you were always growing plants and landscaping, but you also felt that you really needed to grow people and grow ideas. So this whole idea of just, you know, nurturing and growing is is just a, a whole part of just who you are and how you're wired. Um, you know, you're a, just a big pro- problem solver. And I know we're going to talk about it, but you, you had this um, huge multi-million dollar beautification project that you're working on. Uh, there was this huge demand for just excellence and results and productivity, and you had a very kind of limited budget. Um, and what became clear to you is you knew that growing the people around you, right? You call like you wrote a book. It's called Growing Weeders into Leaders, and I love it. Right? The weeders is what 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 you called the crew that was there, right? Well, initially, it's the attitude. That's right. Yeah, yeah the attitude. Yeah. And how do you grow anybody into leaders? Right. It's this this challenge that we have, and um, you've just just done incredible work. But you know, leading up to this, I'd just love for you to just share your kind of your story and your journey to you know what got you to what you're doing today, Jeff. Yeah. So thanks again for having me here, and I I love what I do. I'm fortunate that I get to get paid for having a lot of fun, and just growing great beautiful plants and what I do. And that journey started when I was trying to water plants at a very young age when my parents had planted plants all around our house. And I just was fascinated with how the dirt would crumble in around the plants as you watered in these freshly new plants and it was settling in. And I just thought that was the coolest thing. These caves were just crushing in around these plants. And that just made me excited. And I remember one time watering the plants and it came inside. I was so proud as a youngster. I, I had spent probably an hour watering all the plants in the front yard, right? Just doing a great deed for mom. And my mom just looked at me and smiled and just patted me on the head. She goes, Jeff, thank you so much. But darling, it just got through raining about two inches. So, you know, next time you just ask me before you do that. So, you know, <laughs> the heart was in the right place, but I wasn't really paying attention to the, my elements. But that, that keyed my interest. And honestly, my dad had me on the tractor at an early age. He was he grew up on a farm. And so I had that DNA woven in me. I never thought I would really end up in this field, though, because I didn't. My dad worked us so that I didn't really enjoy working out and doing manual labor all the time. But turned it, ended up going to Auburn University for four years, got in my horticulture degree and worked in Florida at some really high end resorts there, some near Disney and learned quality and high end resort properties. So I had a blast there, met my beautiful beautiful wife, Suzanne, in Fort Lauderdale, and we got married and have four young boys. Uh, actually, they're not young anymore. I got three in college and, and one in high school, so we, we're having a great journey now. 
No, okay. Well, yeah, and that, that's a different season of life because we have our, our second son. We have three boys, Jeff, and our second son heads off to college next year, and we have one son who's going to be an eighth grader. So we got, you know, we, we got a spread between our boys. But uh, yeah. and our oldest boy is heading over to uh, Norway uh, with YWAM, and he's going to be doing nine months of mission work in Europe nice. and in Africa. So we're really excited for him. He's taking the uh, a year off of college to just kind of follow the direction, you know, God is leading him, which is pretty exciting. Yes, that's awesome. All right, so so you're 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 doing all this work in horticulture, you're working for these these large, these incredible, you know, projects. Your focus is on, you know, the what you're doing and you know, where did this uh kind of this passion for also growing people come from? I think it I think it originally started with my dad <clears throat> always when we were working, always had a tape recorder playing mm. and we were always learning. We were always growing. He uh, was either listening to Zig Ziglar or listening to a, a sermon, but that innate uh, growth of a desire to grow and to continue to grow. And so that, that passed on to me. My parents both grew up uh, teaching in the school system as well. And so as I was at work and realizing I was teaching a lot of the technical skills at work, I was teaching things that we had to do with our hands and had to think through. One day it hit me is, is I really wasn't working on the core values, the things that we believe in, that heart, those things that go down deep. And I started thinking about legacy and significance and those things that were important. Like when we're when we're finished, when I'm through here and I'm retired, what is it that I've done? I've created a great looking campus. We've won some awards. We've done some great things, but how many lives have I changed? And so then I really started having uh, started seeking, how can I change lives at a secular university without, you know, crossing the lines or doing anything that would, you know, be offensive, but how can I help make an impact on people's lives in a positive way? So, Jeff, as you, you know, you think back in that time, what do you think prompted you to start really thinking about, you know, what are your values? What's your legacy? You know, who, who are the people that you're touching? Was there a a time, an incident, something that happened that really kind of focused you on on that? I, th- I think just hearing all my life of, of how we are supposed to make an impression and how we are supposed to be a, a part of changing the world and our, and our faith has always made an impression with me. Um, there's been a couple of incidents um, where I had a, a professor who um, – he knew every plant name. He knew every name. He knew everything about the plants. He's just incredible, Dr. Harry Ponder at Auburn. And it was just amazing, this the knowledge that he carries in his head, even to this day. And I was so impressed with that and how he treated his students, how he he talked to students as, as a person, as a a fellow human being. But the one thing that really impressed me, even though he knew all these information was, is he knew my name and Mm. he used my name and he used everybody's name in the classroom. He knew their names. And I'm like, wow, that, I mean, what a, what a example in leadership and how to touch people's lives and to uh, make a significant difference that I care. And so that was one of the things that really touched me in realizing that I needed to do something that that 
I could get my hands around. And that, that, that really made an impression. He, he was a real mentor to me. And he's been teaching there, I think, 38, 39 years and still going strong there at Auburn. You know, that reminds me of, uh, I cannot remember where I read it. It might have been in a story from Dale Carnegie, but uh, they were interviewing um, interns, medical interns, for a job on a physician staff. And one of the final questions was, on the application, is what is the name of the woman who, you know, cleans up the hospital in the evenings? (laughs) And only one person in the whole class knew who her name was and that's yeah. the person that get it got hired because the culture that they had there they wanted to hire people that cared about other people regardless of whether that person could you know do something for you or not and that's kind of what you're talking about i think it's so important when we it's when we know things. everybody around us right yeah, when we're working right. with teams we always talk about you know being an affirming culture And I said, I tell you what, you just, you know, next time you're even at Starbucks, just give an affirmation to the barista for the job that they're doing. You just watch their reaction. And it is so meaningful to give an affirmation to somebody else who doesn't even, you know, who's not expecting it and there's nothing in it for you. But it's just, you know what, it's about, um, I I really think it's how we show up in this world that really does create that legacy because it's about, uh, it's about shifting a mindset, isn't it? It really is. And, and, and. We can just have our head down and just do our task and get through. It's the true leader who stops and says, how can I add value? How can I grow this greatness in a person by just an encouraging word, by by making their job important and make them feel important as it is? I mean, Martin Luther King Jr. talked about the street sweeper and, mm-hmm. you know, made sure that be the best at what you do. Well, as a leader of people, of, of uh, an official leader, that's part of my role is, is I need to make sure they know what they do is very important. And it is important. It's very important to somebody. And so one of the things I do here on campus is, is we know that 62% of prospective college students who come to our college who have not decided if they're going to come or not will decide in the first few minutes based on the appearance of the campus. Well, that's huge in what we do because we take care of the landscaping here on this beautiful campus. And so we make sure our team knows how important their role is and how important they are to attracting great kids to this campus who are going to go on and cure cancer, who are going to go on and and write great books and all these unique things that they'll do. Well, they'll have a small, our people have a small part in that because they brought them to help bring them to this university. Well, you know, and uh, here's an interesting th- statistic for you also. Um, there's been some studies done about millennials. And how many of, what percentage of millennials on their first day at a new job decide whether they're going to stay there long term or not? Do you, it's 93%, Jeff. Think about that. Wow. So somebody who's showing up and they're and they're showing up at a culture where people recognize their names, you know, you talked about some really important things, right? Connecting the work that they're doing to, some, you know, a bigger cause and a purpose, uh, valuing them as a person. These are all things that we can help facilitate, whether we're sitting in kind of the CEO chair or that department head chair or we're a peer of somebody or we're sitting at a cube. There's so many things that we can do as individuals to really work on ourselves, that allows us to, you know, have, you know, uh, I love John Maxwell's um, 
definition of leadership, right? It's that if we have influence over one other person, you are in a leadership role, which means this, that every single person, if you really think about it, is in a leadership role in some capacity. And so, you know, that's a place where we just, we, we recognize, we start from, and then we start building on that. And I know you've done a lot of work with that. And, you know, one of the things that I'd love to ask you is, you know, especially, you have a whole team out there and they, they just, they have a lot of hard work, right? Manual labor, physical labor. There's just a lot of, you know, you know, tasks and hard work. And, how, you know, how did you help them, you know, connect from some of those jobs to something meaningful and really create that, you know, that pride and that, you know, sense of ownership in, in what they do? Like you, you mentioned, you know, Martin Luther King and, you know, if you're going to be a street sweeper, be the best street sweeper. But you know what? Uh, you know, but there's a way to cultivate that in the people that you're with and around. Absolutely. I mean, John, it's it's a lot of little things that you do. There's not necessarily just one big thing, but it starts from day one. Is you look people in the eye and you smile and you say good morning. Mm. You know, that's where it starts. Mm-hmm. And then you, there's a handshake involved in there. There's a, there's that at the end of the day. And hopefully there's walking around time or at least time to acknowledge their presence and their value. Uh, sometimes we get in that routine of, of just getting our head down and checking things off our list. But I found if I slow down and invest the time in the people, that it will actually multiply out in the field and I can get more done when I do that. So we did this, I think the one, if you had to ask me one event or one thing that we do here that has really been a game changer, it's something so radical that when I tell people, they they just sort of look at me because they're thinking, I don't know that I could ever do that. And it was, and it all birthed out of the fact that we were having a lot of drama going on at the time in our organization. This was about six years ago. And I'm like, is this interpersonal gotta, between people yeah, that were on the different between, teams? Yeah, absolutely. And and mm-hmm. we'd, we'd squelch it and then we'd have to deal with it again in three or four weeks, something else, something else. And then it just kept going back and forth. And I said, you know, I wish those people out there would stop all this drama. And Zig Ziglar says, when you got one finger pointing at them, you got three more pointing back at you. And so I had to look at me and I said, I have to change. And so I did. And one is, is we started doing accountability a lot better in accountability on this. But we we started to feel the environment, the culture. I started to cultivate the culture proactively by by doing something so radical as I would bring in five to 10 of our our staff, random people, just bring them in, put them in the conference room and we talk, (laughs) just talk. And then- So there was no agenda here, except let's just all get together and just get to know each other. That's right. You know, what came out of that? You know, where people started sharing kind of a little bit more about, I got to, uh, I guess my question is, you know, through that, did they get to know the other folks on the team as people, not coworkers? In in time. Mm-hmm. First, first you had to deal with the trust is why are we in here? Everybody's nervous, right? So it, it takes a while to build that trust. And I had to real I had to make sure that this became an environment that we could trust each other. It wasn't a time for me to talk about all of our deficiencies. It wasn't time for me to get on a soapbox. It was time for me to turn into a facilitator. Hmm. And my job was to get them to talk. 
And and I didn't realize the value of this until I looked back on it. And some people pointed this out to me. They said, Jeff, you're giving them a voice. They're getting to voice things that they've never got to say before. And you're building trust with your team. And, and it was radical. I mean, it really was because the culture started changing in about six months. We started seeing a a a culture without the rumors, a culture that was strong and healthy where people were more engaged in talking to each other and trusting each other. And the rumor folks who were starting the rumors, they lost influence. And in time, they they made better decisions too. And some, some decided to find other careers on their own. Others turned around. Others turned around and got on, you know, got with the program as far as the, the positive and proactive message. And we started adding in some special speakers during these times. We would uh, just to help us get conversation going. We'd bring in a TEDx talk or a John Maxwell or a Zig Ziglar, or Les Brown, just to get us going. We just 10 minutes and watch it. And then we would talk about whatever they were talking about. And I would, I would watch it ahead of time and facilitate some questions. But my whole part was to just to slow down, get mm-hmm. to know each other, talk. And, and most people look at me when I tell them that in a conference or when I'm speaking at their, you know, at a, at a convention and they're like, that's just, we just don't have time for that. <laughs> and I go, we don't either. <laughs> we don't either. <laughs> well, in having what? done it, I'm guessing you're thinking, you know what? You don't have time not to do that. Don't That's you think? exactly right. We're so much, uh, we're so much faster. We have so fewer challenges. It's amazing how the culture just got healthier and stronger when we slowed down to have these conversations. Now we put them on the calendar once a month, do these little groups. And I meet with about, I don't know, five or six of these little groups. And it's, it's one of my highlights of my month now. So people that are listening, Jeff, and are like, wow, that is a, that's a neat idea. Um, you know, I can find time once a month to do this. You know, what, what, what advice do you have for like that, that first meeting? You know, I'm, I've never done this before. I'm bringing my team in. Like you said, hey, they're like, you know, what's the, you know, what's the agenda here? What's the boss up to? Uh, you know, what are your thoughts on that? You got to be honest. You got to be transparent. And if you're afraid, you got to admit it because I was afraid. I'm going to be honest with you. I was scared to death the first time I did this, mm. probably the first six months. Who knows the first year? I mean, I was nervous because you don't know what's going to happen in these in these necessarily. And, and we had people who, you know, they'd say anything on their mind. I mean, it wasn't I mean, it's they can go any direction they want to on this. So you got to be willing to to hear those things the thing the great thing about this is 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 you you be open be honest be transparent but what is it why do you want to do it for me there was two really two big things i wanted to do i wanted us to have a better team much more i needed us to be highly efficient and and trust each other the other is is i wanted a legacy that meant something of significance that Maybe when one of these guys heard that I had passed away and died one day, that he'd say, you know, that McManus, he really helped me a lot, not only at work, but at, but at home with some of this crazy leader to lead. We call it leader to leader class that we do. Mm-hmm. And John, I knew we were making some good headway. This was several years ago when one of the guys asked if he could come in my office and talk to me, and he closed the door, and he goes, I, I just want to let you know this leader-to-leader class that you're doing has been great. He goes, 
it has helped our team. He goes, but I want to tell you something. And he, and he put his head down. His head just went down and he looked up at me and he had tears in his eyes and he goes, That's, this, this stuff has um, saved my marriage. Mm. I'm like, wow. You know, he saved your marriage. And he's like, yeah. He goes, you know, I was getting ready to divorce my wife. And he goes, I realized through this that I was the problem. And, and it hit me. You know, this is all about self, self-awareness. self When we're doing these type of things, we learn to grow. You know, we're personally reflecting and, and doing that. And so he said that he made changes that brought changes in his relationship. Uh, I've had another guy come in, something similar about him and his fiance were, were going down the wrong way and they were getting ready to break up. And he said, this class has, has helped me. He goes, I realize I'm the problem. And so... That's what I was hoping for. Those type of stories where we make significant changes, not only in the workplace, but in the culture, that we can be positive influence that we ripple throughout the culture. Now, the now the leaders to leaders, is that where you're kind of bringing in and you're sharing some content and then facilitating conversation around that? Is that different than just kind of an open dialogue with the team? Well, I had to come up with a name, that open dialogue, and so I just started calling it leader to leader, mm. and and that's where it is. And and today we just we'll talk about any subject. I mean, we'll we'll take a book. We've gone through several John Maxwell books. We've gone through some of Zig Ziglar stuff. We've we've done a lot of books, and uh, I buy everybody a book, and if they want to read it, they can. They don't have to, um, and it's just neat to see so many of our team reading. And growing, and uh, it's just put a different culture here of growth and development versus. I mean, it's it's raising us, it's raising the bar versus leaving us down there and letting the culture dictate a negative influence to what we want to do and how we act, and how we respond to crisis, how we respond to change. So I didn't I didn't realize that I could really plant and help cultivate a great culture, but I did. Well, I love what you shared there. Um, you know, I'm a huge reader myself, love John Maxwell. He was actually my pastor when I was a new believer back in San Diego in the in the early 90s before he, you know, left uh, being a pastor of uh, Skyline Wesleyan Church and Oh, wow. He, that he he's pretty awesome, but you know, one of my one of my clients, um, Jeff, just talking about how this this works, this is so universal. Um, not only are they doing, you know, these kind of meetings with their team, but they also started book club. And so what they do is each month there's a book that they're all reading or, you know, might take a couple months and we put together, they put together a reading plan, but it's part of the, the company meeting for the first five, 10 minutes. And there's always, you know, and they have different people lead that. But as you're going through this content that develops relationships, develops trust, allows people to, I think they just finished reading leadership and self-deception. You know, they've read some of the Maxwell books, but you know, that is something you can bring into a team, a family. I do that with my boys. We call it reading book. You know, we started out with every man's battle with my boys. And I just love that concept of, of, of sitting down and reading and having just these meaningful convert. What that's what it leads to is meaningful yes. conversations. Yes. I think that's really yes. where we, where we really start to connect with who people are. 
Yes. Because until we know who people are around us and what's going on in their lives is when we can really kind of serve and disciple them in, in the the benefits across the spectrum, spiritually, emotionally, physically, in business, um, uh, are just uh, phenomenal, aren't they? They really are. And and you can go deeper with, with certain relationships. At work, it, it's harder to get super deep, but but you can get beyond the surface. And that's what I was looking for, to tap into those core values of what we believed. And it's amazing, through all that, we created a landscape creed that embodied a lot of the values that we have. And that came from our team. I just facilitated. I just said, guys, what do you, you know, what do you want to be known for? What is it, what's important to you? And these values of what it was for us developed into that. So every Monday morning, we, we repeat our landscape creed together. And to some people, that sounds kind of corny, but I'm telling you, it's a, it really has helped enforce and, and reaffirm what our culture is. Well, you know, I just finished reading Pat Lencioni's book, uh, The Four Habits of a Highly Effective Executive. And the thing that he talks about in that book is, you know what, you cannot over-communicate your vision, your purpose, your mission, and your values, because people have to be connected not only to it, but it has to be living out in what we do and how we interact and how we talk. Um, and a lot of people don't do that. But, you know, I had a question, you know, as you started this process, I'm guessing that there was probably some barriers, some mindsets, some maybe personal constraints um, you know, in the folks as they kind of started taking these small steps forward? Were, were, there, were there any of those that um, kind of jump out at you that, you know, would be good to share? Like, here are some things maybe to expect as, as a, if I'm going to start implementing this and with my team, with my culture? Well, I started, yes, I think so. I think I started with a group of people that I felt like would enjoy this process and I started because I wanted to see if it would work with them. And then I I was able to mix and bring in different people from different crews at a time. So we didn't, we didn't hurt the productivity out in the field. But just knowing that not everybody feels comfortable reading, not everybody on our crew can read, uh, it's sad to say, but that's just, that's just life. And that's going to continue uh, through our, that's not going to change in our lifetime. So be sensitive to that. Not everybody can read, and, and don't don't. It's not ever a time to embarrass anybody. Um, so, as as crazy as it sounds, there are no wrong answers when I'm facilitating questions. There's just no wrong answers. There's just people giving opinions. So we don't we don't let these things escalate um, into arguments. It's not time for us to stand up for our rights and and whatever that is. It's it's time to get to know people. It's time to uh, build relationships, and that's what it is. That's my part is facilitating that. So those, those will be some of my takeaways on that is to go in with a mindset of good questions, prep ahead of time and have good questions, and then be willing to throw all that to the side if good conversation goes on with someone else. If something else goes, let it go a little bit. Let it get into the conversation because we, some of the best agendas have been thrown away in our meetings as the guys have start, hit on something else and start talking about it. Um, so just being open to what, what God has you to go with in these meetings. Well, and, you know, I, um, 
I'm I'm thinking of just a lot of leaders I work with, especially if they're not um, as mature, right? When there's maybe contrary opinions or it's coming across as, as uh, you know, conflict or somebody maybe feeling like they're complaining about something. When you're in that role of facilitator, you know, how did you handle it when, you know, some of the conversations became a little bit crunchy, so to speak? I think the is to stay calm, mm-hmm. validate the person, and thank them for their opinion, and then see if if it's something that needs to be taken offline as far as one-on-one, do that. Don't be afraid of that, but say, you know, the right now is not the right time for us to deal with this. Let's say somebody starts talking about raises. Well, we didn't get raises, and we don't ever blah, 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 we compl- and it comes to more of a complaint. So, well, this... This part right here, this this is not what this is set up for. Now let's let's set up an appointment and let's talk about that that complaint at another time. But this right here is for us to get to know each other, our team building, and for us to grow together as a team. That's to make sure everybody is focused on what it is that we're doing. Then every every your good people in the room are happy because you've dealt with it and you've gotten the, kept the group back on focus. I love that. You shared some great things there. So really kind of reiterating, you know, why we're here. And you probably started with that, right? We're here to build the team, grow relationships, um, get closer. And if somebody does have something like that, validate them and let them know, hey, we're going to have a conversation. You and I, absolutely. Great point. Um, let, let's talk about that later. But that way you're you're not digging into going on a kind of a, a tangent or a sidebar where the rest of the group is like, oh, not again. That's right. right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, one of the things that uh, we do that could be really helpful with people, and it's part of the framework of the transformational leadership work that, that we do, uh, we call it a social covenant. So when we're working with a team, Uh, In every organization that I work with, you know, we sit down and just say, okay, as a team, let's just grab a a flip chart here and let's just talk about when we get together, how do we want to treat each other? This is all about, uh, you know, from a relationship perspective. And it's amazing the engagement we get in the conversations in our own company and with the teams we work with. And people start writing up, you know, you know, humor, integrity, you know, respect, open minded, and they start putting everything up there. And then the second question that we pose to the team is, hey, what do we do? How do we handle it as a team if we feel somebody violates, you know, one of those words? Because we don't have to sit there and define what all the words are, because everybody's going to kind of interpret that very differently, kind of depending on, you know, where they're coming from, their identity, maybe they're much more relationship oriented, maybe they're more transaction oriented. So, um and then we have them come up with a process that they own, which almost always comes out of Matthew, Jeff, right? I'm going to go to that person one-on-one and just have a conversation because the relationship is more important than, you know, maybe the hurt feelings or whatever came out of uh, an interaction. And if when you equip people to have that conversation well, I would say 95% plus of the time, it never goes to the second step. And that's, hey, let's, let's bring somebody in. Maybe they say, hey, you know what, if we can't resolve it, let's, let's sit down with Jeff and just have a conversation. If that doesn't that's work, right. it's affecting the whole team. Let's bring the team in. And, you know, because we, you know, we really want to create this culture where we're all, you know, thriving, you know, and that's something you talk about, you know, is culture 
Trump's strategy. Now, when you when you yep. say that, what do you mean by that, Jeff? If we don't trust each other, strategy means nothing. I mean, mm-hmm. we can have the best strategy in the world, but if I don't know you got my back and I don't know that when you say you're going to be here at six and I don't know if you really are or not, I really can't make solid, firm plans. So the, the whole part that you just said was, in, was just so good. It's just you've got to have the right culture of growth, trust, and leadership. I mean, that's really what we work on is growing a culture of leaders. Everybody's empowered to be a leader, so everybody leads themselves. Um, and so we, we really see the value in that because we're empowering you. And we're giving you ownership. And then we give you a seat at the table. We give you a seat that your voice is heard. And so we, we try to do that. We try to push as many decisions down the, down the pipe as we can to, to get our folks involved in. Now, in, in your book, Growing Weeders into Leaders, um, you know, you, you have, a, I would call it kind of these four pillars that you built this on uh, around GROW, which stands for Greatness, Resiliency, Opportunities, and Wisdom. You know, and as you're working with people, you know, what, what are, I'd love for you to just share a little bit about those first two words. First of all, you know, developing uh, the greatness within people, which I think largely lays untapped, and it's a huge place for us to create a legacy. And then also, then you, that also then equips us to be resilient because life is going to throw stuff at us. So I guarantee if we had more time, Jeff, you and I could just share personal stories about the highs and the lows and things that we've all had to work through. And those are some of the harder times, especially when people are bringing that into work, into the culture, because they're going through stuff, marriages, health, you know, th- you know, accidents, things that have happened outside of work. You know, what are your thoughts on that? Well, you're, you're spot on. I mean, that's, that's in, in our world, we need that resilient culture of you could be in the middle of doing one task. And then you get what we call a, a zinger, uh, a change. Somebody comes and says, oh, my goodness, we need you all to do this. And we, our culture needs to be able to respond to that and not throw their hands up in the air and get all throw a tantrum, but to simply respond and take care of it. And so we live in the outdoor world as far as maintenance and, and plants and bees and insects and all kind of things that are happening we have to be resilient you know not everybody can do this kind of work outdoors and we remind our people of that people a lot of people can't work outdoors like you people you know, like our folks can so there's a that greatness that ability that you can do something but also that resiliency that you're also one of the best at what you do and you're have a team that that's got your back and then that's where that trust comes in, that resiliency that we got this. We're going to take care of this. It's not a problem. It's just what we do. And that, and, go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I think you have a little bit of military background, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And we, that's, that's who we looked at. We looked at the military and how they built up troops that can handle anything. They can resist. They can overcome because winners are not whiners. Winners find a way to win. And that's what we need in our cultures. We need folks in the workplace who are willing to win and, and come overcome obstacles. And so we looked a lot to the military and how they did those kind of things. And we couldn't have a boot camp, but we, we worked on that same mindset. And what are some things you did to bring that into, you know, to change the mindsets, to bring that into the culture, Jeff? 
which is continually these leader to leader meetings. And mm-hmm. then my my role is also is to make sure that I'm giving them good things to think about. You know, the voice we listen to most is our own voice and what we tell ourselves. So I want to speak to each man and, and woman in our organization continually reminding them of their importance and what they do and how the big picture. So I've got to repeat that vision of cultivating greatness of what we do and how it changes not only our campus, but the world. And so they need to keep being validated. And so that's a big part of what I do. I I guess in some ways I'm the, I'm the cheerleader. I'm the encourager. I'm, uh, I'm there for them. I'm there to make sure they're successful. Now, if people are, you know, they're listening in, Jeff, how do people, first of all, your your book is fantastic, Growing Weeders into Leaders, and you guys can get that on Amazon. There's also be a link to that in the show notes for this. And how to, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you, Jeff? Well, I'd love to give you uh, my, on my website, jeffmcmanisspeaking.com. And if it's okay with you, John, I'd love to give them my five key uh, leadership um goals that I do for all of our folks. These are the things that I repeat daily. And um, I'd love to give them that handout. That's uh, It's actually my whole one-day workshop, but it's a real simple handout. Love to give that to your listeners as well. Yeah, definitely. If you send that to me, we'll make sure there's a, a link to that also in the show notes. So log in uh, to eternalleadership.com and just look at the most recent podcast episode uh, for Jeff. You'll see that there. You know, Jeff, you know, just as people have been listening in and, and we're wrapping up, just what are some final thoughts you'd like to leave with people that have been hearing everything that you've been sharing? Well, I think one of the things that we overlook is so much is how we lead ourselves. Mm. The way we lead ourselves is the most important because if we don't lead ourselves well, we will not have a, a, a positive influence on those around us. So lead by example. Uh, John, we jokingly say, weed by example, okay? So be willing to get your hands dirty uh-huh. and get on your knees and pull up weeds. Um, I had a chancellor here who was great at picking up paper every morning, and every now and then he'd pull a weed, and I'd say, Chancellor, what are you doing? He goes, I'm weeding by example. And so, you know, that's <laughs> that's so important. Here this man was making – I mean, he's the head of the organization, but he was out there picking up paper. And so he stayed humble. He had ownership. He showed that passion and, and lead by example. If you want it, you got to lead. You got to show it in your own life. Oh, that's powerful. Um, you know, it's just, you know, pride of ownership, right? The, you know, he's part of uh, something bigger. And, you know, it, and, and I love what you're saying, Jeff. Regardless of what our team does, kind of the, the work of the day, there's a way to tie that to why it's important. In something right. bigger. And I think that really inspires people to do their best work, show up as their best selves, you know, develop those relationships, you know, create that trust. And then when you have that, you know, I, I really think when, you know, I look at all the, the companies that we've worked with and when we can go back and kind of look at what is that inflection point when things, everything started getting gooder. Right, which is a technical term. Um, but you know what? It's always, we can always trace it back to that point where there was some unity and trust and those healthy relationships really started to kind of gel on, on the team, the kind of that, whatever the, whatever the team is, the core team or the whole organization. 
and that's the place where now we can really build on a strong foundation just like plants right they need the the strong roots and they need the nutrients and they need the water and they don't need to be overwatered <laughs> <laughs> that's right but but that makes a huge difference doesn't it it does and the organizations i've worked with who have started embracing this practice where they slow down and begin to work and just like you were saying, these values and things that they believe in, where they're not really a major agenda, they're finding great success in that. And it's, But it takes courage to take that step and do that. Yeah, it does. Well, I mean, just like what you did, and I applaud you to just put yourself in a room with your team, not knowing what to expect, to just facilitate a conversation. That, that was a big step for you. And I think if people just hear what you had to say and just start getting interested in their folks and developing those relationships and putting themselves, you know, um, out of a place that's comfortable to be able to do that, um, you're going to see a lot of, I think, pretty intense personal growth. But you're also going to see that same growth in in the people that are around you. That's right. Right on. All right, Jeff, thank you so much for your time. If there's anything at all I I can do for you, please let me know. I'd love to uh, just continue the conversation down the road. I loved it. It It's great, great being on your show. And thank you for what you're doing, being a leader and getting these messages out there. Well, my pleasure. I I love this. We have an amazing community all around the world and just some uh, wonderful people. So, Well, thank you again for having me. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks for listening to Eternal Leadership. Be sure to check the summary of this MP3 for any important links and a link to the show notes for this episode. As I said at the top, this edition of Eternal Leadership has been brought to you by Marketplace Rock. Is there something that feels like it's blocking your business? The team at Marketplace Rock partners with you in unearthing those things that could be holding you back through intercessory prayer. Just earlier this year, Vicki told me while she was praying, she heard from me, water the seeds. I knew exactly what it meant and got some business out of it. Another time she was praying and accurately described one of our dogs who turned out needed medical attention. John and I can't recommend the team at Marketplace Rock highly enough. In fact, our phone calls with them are the highlight of our week. Visit them online, marketplacerock.com, or listen to either of Amy Everett's past interviews with us, episodes four and 66 marketplacerock.com. For John Ramstead, I'm Steve Ryder, and thank you for listening to Eternal Leadership. Eternal Leadership.